one of the most difficult things to do as a parent is explaining death to your child for the first time and sometimes that comes in a really difficult time because a loved one has passed away for my kids it wasn't anything difficult I think we were just driving down the road and there was a dead raccoon in the, in the, uh, in the road and I think Abby was something like what's you know what's that that's a raccoon what's he doing is he sleeping I was like, no he's dead and it was really hard to explain because we take you know, it doesn't take long in life to understand death. It becomes sort of something just we know about, but it's really hard to explain the finality of that, especially to a child who's, again, just one or two years old. And, and we know that death has a finality to it, uh, so that when you're watching television shows, right, the CPR, like the people are given CPR, and then uh, there comes the realization that, no, they're dead, and so they stop CPR. Because, you know, why bother? You don't, it's over, right? Death is a final kind of thing. Um, but on the flip side, if you're also seeing kind of television shows or movies, if someone was thought to be dead, but then it really turns out that they're alive, it's like you, it, the people are ecstatic, they're filled with wonder and awe. I think of, um, you know, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, where uh, he was, everyone thought he was dead. And when he comes back, um, he's... Uh, now has more power, and that death-to-life experience really influenced who he was uh, from then on. And so I bring this up, I'm like, man, this is going to be a downer kind of sermon, but I bring this up because in the same way, if you're a Christian, a part of your identity is that you were dead, but you've come to life. That, that you, yes, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but now we've been made alive. And that should influence and affect how we view life, how we deal with one another, and how we see ourselves. Because a part of our identity, it's not just who we are, it's who we were. Who we were. And you know, the children's sermon talked about uh, you know, being God's masterpiece. And that's true. And what we're going to look at today is that a part of being God's masterpiece is seeing how he took death in us and made us alive. That each one of us are a miracle and a masterpiece of God. And we appreciate that fact even more when we understand not just that we are masterpieces, not just that we are miracles, but that we were also we were who we were apart from because this sermon series deals with um, the book of Ephesians, which really talks about who we are in Christ, our identity, and how that influences how we look at the world, how we see ourselves, how we relate to other people. And again, today we're going to particularly look about understanding who we were apart from Christ, so that we can truly rejoice in who we are in Christ, his masterpieces, his miracles. And it is a story of death to life. And so although the kids did a great job of reading that scripture, I want to read it again, because that was the beginning of the service. And I don't, you know, we don't have that great a memory, so I'm going to read it again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature 
children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Again, some translations say we are his masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, this passage comes right after, if you remember, Paul talking in Ephesians chapter 1, how he had been praying that the Ephesians would see their amazing identity as children of God through Christ. And that amazing inheritance, now he, he's saying that's made all the more incredible when we realize who we used to be apart from Christ. We were walking dead, basically. Now that's a TV show, The Walking Dead. I don't really watch it because it's a zombie show, and I don't really care for zombies. They're rude. <laughs> always trying to eat people, um, their brains and whatnot. Um, but that's what he's saying. Basically, you were walking dead. You were devouring one another. So I, I've got, this passage, I'm going to warn you, I've got a couple counterculture warnings. So just so that no one is triggered, I'm, I'm like, warning, warning. Whoop, whoop. All right, first, counterculture warning whoop, whoop, of this passage. This passage assumes some things that really our culture doesn't assume about God, about salvation. And the first one I want to point out, and this doesn't necessarily fit in our culture, but this is the scripture. Most, you know, our culture thinks, well, people are basically good. We just need a little therapy, right? It's called therapeutic deism, where, yeah, we're basically good. We just need a little help. But that is not what the Apostle Paul says, is it? No, the, the Bible says, no, actually, we are dead. We don't just need a little help. We don't need just a little Band-Aid. We don't just need to take our vitamins and say our prayers, right? And because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're part of the problem. And the, the Apostle Paul can't state it more clearly. Um, we are walking around in sin and death. Look at verse 1. And you were dead in the, the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in, at work in the sons of disobedience. Again, the Apostle Paul can't be much more clear than that. We're, we were not neutral in this struggle between good and evil, even if we're not conscious of it. We were on the wrong side. We were aiding and abetting the prince of disobedience, Satan, the one who stands against God. And as we went with the flow, the problem is, is that flow goes against God's plan. And so we were not children of God. We were sons of disobedience. But wait, there's more. Verse 3, among whom all once uh, lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So why we're called children of disobedience is that our God wasn't the God and creator of the universe. Our God was ourselves. 
And so as we just went and did whatever we thought, we actually were going against God's plan and his power for us. And that's why we're called sons of disobedience, children of wrath. Warning, warning, countercultural truth here. This passage assumes another thing that goes against what our culture often teaches us. And that is, it says, we deserve God's wrath. The average person doesn't assume that. The average person in America assumes, no, I deserve a break. But Paul says the average Joe is a child of wrath. Yeah, that's countercultural, but that's what the scripture says, is that by nature we're children of wrath. Now, objection. We say, well, isn't God a God of love? Yes, he is a God of love. God is a God of love. He's also a God of justice. But think about it. If, if you truly love something, if you truly love someone, and you want what's best for them, you want them to abide in truth and perfection, and someone comes along and hurts the person you love, someone comes along and undermines all the goodness that you had intended for that person, True, passionate love. The, uh, the other side of the coin of that is wrath. So we say, well, God's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of love, but because he's a God of love, he's a God of wrath. Wrath at the injustice is the other side of the coin. So Paul paints a pretty stark picture. Now you're like, man, Pastor Joe, you're, you're preaching the downer today. Well, no, that's just the first half of the story, isn't it? He, he paints a stark picture of who we were. We were walking dead. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. It's a bleak picture because we know dead things don't come to life. The raccoon on the road, he's not sleeping, he's dead. There's no hope, right? That's the end of the story. Death is the end of the story. But it's not when God's involved. And that's where verse 4, right? it's not the end of the story. There's hope because verse 4 says, but God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were children of disobedience. You were ch children of wrath. But God. Uh, and when Sadie was doing her life reset um, talk on last Tuesday, she pointed that part out too. That no matter where we were, if we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we felt hopeless. There was no hope in ourselves but God. It's not the end of the story because of God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, now Paul goes back. Yes, he tells us the bad news. He tells us that, that we, were, we are dead, but then he immediately says, but God, because of his rich love and grace, that's where he goes back to Ephesians chapter 1 and says, that's why you're children of God. That's why you're adopted. That's why it's not the end of the story. God is all-powerful. He's the Lord of all, even the Lord of death. 
So what's impossible, what's a, a dead end for us is actually an opportunity for God to show his power, his love, and his grace. And that display of love and kindness, it's not just so that in 20 or, or 30 years you have uh, left on earth, that you, know, you have a, a little bit of better life or something like that. No, it's rather so that in the coming ages, you will be a masterpiece of God's grace and kindness. The coming ages, that means eternity. So yeah, often, uh, you know, we jump to the, the idea of, okay, we can be in heaven with God, and that's true, and that includes this, but you've you got to realize that we're not just, it's not just this static kind of relationship with God, rather there's this dynamic where we were dead, and now we are alive, and not just alive because we know God, but we're alive in a new, eternal sense, and it's all because of what Christ did. He took death, he took decay, and made life. And it, we, we don't see it in English, but Paul connects all these things that happened to Christ to us by using the prefix sum in, in, in Greek. And so we were made alive with Christ, right? We were um, uh, raised with Christ, sunigere. We were seated with Christ. And uh, one commentator sort of brings this out by saying, all right, we were co-made alive with Christ. We were co-raised with Christ. We were co-seated um, in heaven with Christ. And how? How does that happen? Well, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, Paul threw that out there in verse 5, but here he explains it more that you are made alive with Christ. You are co-seated with Christ in the heavenly places by grace. Not, not by your own work, not by my own work. This, and this is where the imagery of death is, is so appropriate in that, you know, the dead don't come to life by trying harder. Again, the dead don't come alive because they put a Band-Aid on their wound. The dead don't come to life, again, because they take their vitamins. Nope, they're dead. But God makes alive. See, that's where the imagery comes along. But God made us alive together with Christ, so that as Christ rose from the dead, was seated at God's right hand, if we are in Christ, then we go with him in that same process. So Jesus' work on the cross, it's not just a display of God's power, where we look at that and say, wow, look at how self-sacrificial God is. Look at, look at his power that he raised Jesus from the dead. It's not just a display, it's a gift. And again, I mentioned this last week, that Christ rising from the dead and seating, being seated at God's right hand, it's not just something that happens that, some to, to Christ. He invites us to happen, for it to happen to us as well. That we are in Christ, we place our faith, we place our identity in Christ. And therefore, we are raised with him. We are seated at God's right hand with him. Counterculture warning number three. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> this passage talks about we're made right with God. We stand before God. We go to heaven, however you want to say it. Not because, well, I've done more good than bad in my life. Or, uh, it's not like I've ever killed anyone. 
or I, I try my best, or one of these other humble boasts, we are made right with God purely by grace, by God's unmerited favor. So as we deserved God's wrath, instead he gives us his undeserved favor and says, I want you to be my child, not because you're smarter than other people, not because you do better things than others, but rather because I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to adopt. I want to adopt you. See, because the thing is, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was dead. I didn't need just a little bit of therapy. I didn't need just a little pick-me-up. I needed to be made alive, and Christ did that. That's the wonderful news. So if you're here watching and you're thinking, maybe you're, maybe you're almost tired of this Christianity thing, thinking, oh, it's so much hard work, it's so countercultural. I don't fit in well. And you're tired, but maybe it's because you're thinking that you need to do some more work. Maybe you're thinking that it's really about your effort. Yeah, Jesus saves you, but really you're the one who's going to bring you to the finish line. Well, that's why this passage has such good news for you. No, no, you were dead. I was dead. And Christ made us alive through faith, through simply saying yes, grabbing on to all that God has for us. By grace, we are saved. And then Paul brings it all back around. Yes, we were dead. We were walking around in sin. But look at verse 10. But now, for we are his workmanship, we are his masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So before he's like, ah, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, walking around in them, but now, now that you've been made alive, you haven't just made, been made alive for some future uh, theoretical heaven area, You've been made alive so that even now you can walk in that newness of life. That God didn't just save you. He saved you and has created you to be a part of his plan, to be a part of his kingdom. And that he is actually, before you were even born, he made works for you to walk in. And so maybe you're here watching and you feel like, I, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, God has a purpose for you. He actually has created works for you to walk in. Not so that you'll be saved, not so that you'll earn God's favor, but because you're his child, you're a member of his family. Hallelujah. Absolutely. And because you're a member of his family, you, you get to extend his kingdom. You get to extend his family. It's a part of the wonderful gift that he has. And so our identity goes from being dead to being alive. A pile of, of rubbish that people are like, man, that, that roadkill, that's really uh, bringing a whole neighborhood down. You've got to get rid of that. To being alive in Christ. Look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's where, again, why some translations say masterpiece. So that in the coming ages... 
we would reflect who God is. We would reflect the wonder of his kindness and grace. It reminds me of uh, uh, some artists who uh, do, uh, well, let me show you a picture. All right, there's a picture of junk, okay? So imagine this pile of, uh, of junk in your yard, in your neighborhood. You're like, oh man, look at all that scrap metal. That's a real eyesore, right? Well, why don't we get it out of here? Well, an artist took this pile of junk and made this. That's what God does to you. That's what God does to you. It's not about, oh, look at all that junk getting together and trying harder. No, the master can take dead junk and turn it into a masterpiece. There's another one. Here's a pile of tires, because I know you're tired of my sermon, so. <laughs> uh, there's a pile of tires. You know, hard to get rid of tires. If you had a big pile of tires in your yard, you're like, oh, what an eyesore. I need to get rid of that. It, they breed mosquitoes. But an artist can take a pile of tires and make it into again, something beautiful. Again, that is what God does with us. We are his masterpieces. And again, because we know what we were, we were dead. We were a pile of rubbish. That God made us into his masterpiece. That we were dead. That every Christian, as I said in the prayer, every Christian's a miracle. That you are a miracle. If you've accepted Christ, and therefore, you're a part of God's family. You have been gone from death to life. And that's a miracle. And so, yeah, sometimes we focus on, oh, God, you know, heal, heal my knee. And, and we can pray that. And yes, there's miracles that way. But God does miracles every time a dead person comes to life. Every time somebody trusts in Christ and goes from being a child of wrath and dead in their sins to a child of God, renewed in a masterpiece and a miracle of God, that is a miracle. And so I, we see out here, there are so many miracles sitting here watching online. And it all glorifies God. And so, yeah, we, we started out with like, oh man, that's a downer on dead. I don't want to think. No, the, the problem is, is that many of us have been living in the past. For two, what I mean by that is two reasons. That there's some Christians who, and, and this is good, that they understand that, well, you know, I'm a sinner, that, that I, I, I'm dead and all of this. But no, no, that's, that's who you were. And you need to step, understand your past, step into your future, that God has a, you're God's masterpiece. He's put things before you, not to lament your past, but to step in the future because he has renewed you. He's given you new life for that. And so there's someone here or watching who needs to put the past in the past and engage the fact that now they have a new identity. Right? They're no longer the drunk. They're no longer the, uh, the hater. They're no longer any of those things. They're now a child of God and stepping into that new identity. But then there's others of us who we need to understand our past because it helps us rejoice in our present and in our future. In other words, if, if, you, if you feel like, well... You know, I'm pretty good. I just needed God to get a little bit of help. Give me a little bit of help. You're not going to understand the, the amazing miracle God has done in your life. You're not going to understand that, wait, you were a, a pile of rubble, and God built you to do a masterpiece. Because when, 
bad stuff happens, and it's always happening, right? There's always bad stuff going on, and, and we start to get down on ourselves, right? It helps to remember, wait, I was dead, and now I'm alive. I mean, think of all of the things that come into your life. If we engaged every problem that we had, understanding that, wait a minute, yeah, this is bad, this is a difficult situation, but I was dead, <laughs> and now I'm alive? Yeah, this thing's bad, but hey, I was dead and now I'm alive. I was a pile, I was a pile of junk, but now I'm God's masterpiece and miracle. So I can engage this difficulty. I can face this challenge knowing that God's done much bigger and much better for me already. And so some of us need to embrace the fact that a part of our identity as Christians is we were dead. And that gives us a wonder and amazement as we step into an uncertain future because we know God's already made me alive. He's already brought me back from the dead and established me as his eternal masterpiece and miracle. So many Christians walk around defeated, walk around as if God didn't just bring them to life. But oh, if we kept in our mind, oh, who I am, it's connected to who I was. And who I was is I was dead but now I'm alive. And so let's live in that truth. Again, some people are like, oh, God of wrath, uh, you know, dead in sins, don't, don't preach about that. Well, the thing is, is we need to know that because it makes the truth of God's work in our lives all the more amazing. All the more amazing. So that when you do face difficulties, you face them, again, already understanding you're a masterpiece of God. You're a miracle of God. And he's not done with you, right? Because that miracle, that masterpiece, what was it for? Not just for today, but in the coming ages. That when people look at you, they are going to rejoice in God's grace. They're going to rejoice in God's power. They're going to be able to see everything in a, in a different light because you are a miracle. And so if... You're here or you're watching and you're like, I don't know if I've, if I've become a child of God. It's not about working harder. I'm not going to give you a religious checklist. You know what Jesus said when, when someone said, you know, Jesus, what, what should we do that we may work the works of God? This is John chapter 6. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. That's our part. Our part is to take our identity and and. and place it into Christ's identity as best as we know how. Again, it's not about the words, it's about the heart of saying, yes, I trust in God, not in myself. I trust that by his power and his work on the cross that I'm made right with God and become his child. And that's simple, that's all, that's really what it is. It's faith, it's not a work. And so maybe you're here or watching and that's what you need to do. You know that for too long you've been dabbling in death when God has opened up a path of life for you. Take him up on that life. It's not about working harder. It's about what Christ has already done. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so grateful that you have taken death and turned it into life. That we can be with Christ. Lord, as you brought him to life, as you raised him to your right hand, 
we can be in Christ. And Lord, we're grateful that you, not because of our works, not because we're better people than others, but rather, Lord, just by your grace, you brought us to life and made us your masterpieces. Now, Lord, may we walk this week, may we walk in the works that you've put before us so that we would walk in a way that shows your grace, that shows your mercy, where we live as miracles, as masterpieces. God, show us. And Lord, we know that this week something is going to come at us where we're going to be tempted to walk in our old ways. But Lord, instead, may we walk in your goodness and grace. May we walk in our new identity. Yes, Lord, we were dead, but we thank you that you intervened. May we walk in that new identity, Lord, as we, um, in our families, in our church, in our community, may we reflect your grace and mercy. Lord, show us what that means in our decisions this week, in the way we think, in the way we talk, so that we would proclaim your glorious grace. Thank you, God, for working in us. Thank you for bringing us to life. Lord, we rejoice in that truth. We pray you would empower us to walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.